Ahoy authors! You're listening to the Writership Podcast, a show focused on helping indie authors master self-editing skills. So come aboard and get ready to find the treasure in your manuscript with hosts Leslie Watts and Alyssa Archer. Welcome to episode 10 of the Writership Podcast. I'm Leslie Watts. And I'm Alyssa Archer. Leslie and I are the co-captains of writership.org, where we create books, programs, and content for writers who want to improve their craft or learn how to write a novel. We want to help you edit your way to a great book. I actually want to talk about that a little bit because we've, we keep saying that, but um, I think everyone knows that you, you have to get words on the page and very few people get those words out perfectly the first time. And editing is what brings your book to greatness. And everyone who is in self-publishing hears the advice continually, you've got to write a great book. You've got to write a great book. But it takes some time to figure out what that means. And it's sometimes difficult to understand what's standing in your way. So that is the purpose behind our podcast. That's why we're here and we're excited um, to get into today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about us and writership, you can find us on the web at writership.org. All right. And the podcast, the Writership Podcast, that is, is brought to you by the Author Marketing Institute as part of the AMI Podcast Network. You can learn more about how AMI is helping authors by visiting www.authormarketinginstitute.com. If you go there today, you can gain free access to their brand new video course entitled Selling Your First 100 Copies. That's authormarketinginstitute.com. In this podcast, we critique actual submissions from authors who understand they may need some help seeing the flaws in their own writing, and they're brave enough to share this experience with you. And we start each episode with the quote of the week. Then Alyssa reads our sample submitted by an actual author. And then together we provide advice regarding substantive revisions if they're needed and copy editing suggestions. Finally, we send you away with an editorial mission to help you apply one of the principles that we've talked about during the show. All right, let's get started with that quote of the week. Yes. All right. This one is from Gloria Naylor. One should be able to return to the first sentence of a novel and find the resonances of the entire work. Again, that's Gloria Naylor. What do you think of that one, Alyssa? I I am a fan of this one. I think that very often um, I see a lot of throat clearing in first drafts. And I know that for myself, when I'm working on a novel, one of the last things I work on is the first line. I'll write something and I'll get myself started and I'll edit and I'll edit and I'll revise and I'll revise. It will go through several drafts. But then again, I'll return to that first sentence at the end of all of my editing and revision and I'll really hammer on it and make sure that it feels right for the novel, that I'm setting my reader up for the ride that I'm about to give them. So I'm a fan of this for sure. 
Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The first, that first sentence is just not going to come out right the first time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't speak for everybody. Maybe some people don't have, uh, the issues uh, that I have, but, <laughs> but yeah, the first sentence is like not the final one. <laughs> no, no, not usually. Not usually. All right. Well, Let's get started. Yeah. Today, I'm excited. We have a submission from Brian Cohen. And this is a young adult superhero fantasy. Ted saves the world. Woohoo! Yay. <laughs> so thank you so much, Brian, for submitting your words for us to critique. Uh, you can find Brian on the web at briancohen.com. That's B-R-Y-A-N. C-O-H-E-N.com, and we'll include that in the show notes as well. So let me go ahead and get started with our reading. Part 1, Chapter 1. The sun shined down on a fallen tree with a splash of blood hidden on the shady side. There were enough stories about horrible tragedies in the area to keep most kids away from the clearing. The tales kept most developers at bay as well, and while the rest of Treasure was suburbanizing with chain restaurants and popular retailers, most of the nearby forest remained untouched. Nature flourished, undisturbed and undisturbing, until the winds from a recent storm shifted the fallen oak to reveal a bloodstained sleeve. The hand inside the sleeve was pale and decayed, but still manicured and dainty despite the month or so in the woods. It was the kind of hand most teenage boys would want to touch, if it wasn't rotting. The, the dirt beside the tree had covered up the rest of the body, and she'd remained largely untouched, except for a few stray worms. The girl was wearing a treasure-high cheerleading uniform, a white top and a black skirt, accented by a gaping red hole in the side. In the distance, a dog barked at a squirrel as a wide beam of blue light came shooting from the sky. The oak shook and rolled over as the worms scattered, digging deeper underground. The light struck the girl's body. Above the ground, her hand began to regain its natural color. Underneath the dirt, Flesh that had been torn from her face and abdomen began to rebuild itself. The light continued to work its effect on her body, restoring all functions that had been lost. The girl's heart once again began to pump blood for, through her body. Dormant nerves fired and her eyes opened. She filled her lungs for the first time in thirty days. The cheerleader coughed out some earth and pulled herself out of the mud. She took in a deep breath and viewed her surroundings. Always in the ground, she said. For once, couldn't I just be in a nice casket or locked in a closet? She thought about her previous crossover into a dead body and shivered. While that body hadn't been buried underneath three feet of earth, the corpse she inhabited then had languished for weeks in a watery ditch on the side of the highway. The water was half frozen, and she nearly drowned trying to free herself. She recalled her last body was a man's. This anatomical fact stuck out because she was almost hit by a car when signaling for help on the road. It was just her luck that the driver was a Catholic, Catholic schoolgirl who had gotten her driver's license one week earlier. 
The car skidded off the road and into the very same watery ditch she'd just emerged from. Pulling a devoutly religious girl from a ditch while completely naked took some skill. The newfound cheerleader laughed. It was tough keeping the various lives separate in her head when they all ended the same way, with a completed mission and another painful death. She worked the rest of her body out of the ground. She felt her legs, arms, and chest, and then studied the contours of her face with her hands. I'd kill for a mirror, she said, noticing the torn and bloody side of her outfit, and for a shirt without a gaping murder wound on it. Touching the bloody part of the shirt made her body's regrets come to the surface. This was the part she hated the most about the crossover process. In the seconds before death, most humans bring all the regrets to the surface. And while those thoughts are extinguished, when the person dies, they remain within reach during the acclimation process. The emotions bubbled to the top of her brain as the girl tightened her hold on the branch. There were the usual feelings of disappointment that she hadn't accomplished enough in her life. Her former inhabitant had wanted to go to college, join a sorority, and meet someone who would take her on adventures. But there was another thought that ranked higher, something the body's new occupant didn't expect. In her now-ended life, the girl had chastised and berated her childhood best friend to get in with the older, popular girls. She saw the boy walking the halls at school alone, though his face was obscured. The memory faded, but the idea of the boy stayed in her mind. Popularity, never worth ending a friendship over. She shook off the negative energy and did her best to focus. She knew that before the memories of her former inhabitant's brain got in the way, she'd need to remember her mission. Crossing over pretty much destroyed short-term memories unless relaxation and concentration took precedence. She breathed deeply through her nose and remembered the nose wasn't her former inhabitant's original nose. Memories of the surgery came back to her, but she shook them off and tried to focus. Her hands brushed against her shirt skirt, and she recalled dancing in her cheerleader outfit for a man who had to be a decade her senior. Oh, the girl said. Whoever you were before, you sure had a lot going for you. Until you died. Horribly. The girl took one more deep breath and the mission came back to her. She'd been told she had to find someone like her, someone who could stop the worst from happening. She opened her eyes. Time to evaluate what she had to work with. The girl crouched down low and leapt skyward. Not a bad vertical, she said. That's probably the years of cheerleading. Speaking of which, the girl leaned backwards and put her hands on the ground. She pushed herself up into a handstand. Decent balance. She placed her feet back on the ground before running away from the branch in a full-out sprint. She did what came natural to her body, which included a cartwheel, several flips, and a mid-air spin before she landed. Now that's something I could get used to, she said. The girl saw a squirrel run by with a dog not five feet behind it. The woodland creature dashed up a tree, and its pursuer let out a single bark before becoming bored. It came over to her, and she gave it a rub behind the ears. The dog's fur was soft and warm against her hands. Hey, boy. Do you know where I can find a new shirt? A well-built man in his forties came into the clearing, shouting the name Leslie. 
Leslie the dog barked and the owner approached. He was wearing a treasure sheriff's department hoodie. The man's kind looked the man's kind look turned into dread when he saw the girl. Oh my gosh, are you okay, honey? He rushed over to her side and put his hand where the wound used to be. I'm fine, she said. It's an old wound. She dreaded the first encounter after she crossed over, wondering what it was supposed to say. I'm sorry, wondering what it was she was supposed to say. She used to be dead, but now she was all better? Wait a second, Erica? It usually took a name to get the memory jogging from her former inhabitant. The man was the local sheriff, and she was Erica LaPlante, a cheerleader, a slut, and the girl at the top of the popularity food chain. Her mission would be easier if she was low profile, but given Sheriff Norris's reaction, she could tell she'd been on and off the news for weeks. Hey, Sheriff, it really has been too long. The sheriff's, the sheriff's jaw was on the floor. Erica wondered if he was even more surprised than the time she'd snuck liquor into his house during his daughter Jennifer's 14th birthday party. It's been a month. We assumed the worst. They were right to assume that Erica had died, but this body had a few more tricks left in it. I'm glad you found me, she said. I'm so lucky to see a friendly face. A lot luckier for me than it is for you, Erica thought. All right. Yay. Okay. <laughs> um, so full disclosure, I've uh, actually read this book, uh, the full, the full novel. Uh, so I know what happens. And I don't always, obviously, with the other submissions that we've had. So um, I will try not to spoil anything. No spoilers. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed this story. Obviously, I enjoyed it enough to read all the way through. And um, I think there are, there's a lot of fun in with this genre in particular. Some of the details uh, just in this, you know, in this submission the sample of it, the, the, the shirt, the, um, uh, when, when she says, Oh, do you, do you know where I can find a new shirt? You know, these are, these are great lines and I really, uh, really enjoy them and they're, uh, throughout the, the book. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know about Leslie as the name of a dog, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things we wanted to talk about is that in the version that I have, we have, it starts, um, this uh, piece is actually chapter two, and that there's a different opening, and we see the hero, Ted, um, at speaking with his um, soon-to-be ex-girlfriend, Natalie, and they're in a diner. And, um, and she's at Natalie's breaking up with Ted and then Ted has an odd experience where he, um, where he, he starts to see this blue light. And, uh, so it's a little, you know, so it's different where we're, um, in this version, we're seeing Erica first and coming out of the, um, uh, coming out of her grave. 
that unfortunate. Oh, that was another line I loved about, couldn't it be a coffin? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I really, I think it's really interesting choice. Um, and and you know, we can talk a little bit about why you might prefer one one opening to the other. Um, I was thinking that uh, the Ted, you know, with the Ted and Natalie version that you are, you're getting a slice of their regular life before you see that, whoa, there's this weird blue light and we're not in a normal, um, we're not in a normal story. We're um, not in Kansas anymore. Right, right. Um, so that's, uh, that's, you know, that's one approach, obviously. And then, um, you can also see, you know, how, um, the, the other version with Erica coming out of the ground, like immediately you are, you are plunged <laughs> into these odd circumstances and you have to try to, you know, make sense of, okay, this woman is, young woman is coming out of the ground and we sort of get to know her slowly and uh and so it's a just a it's a slightly different experience i agree and i have i haven't finished ted saves the world but i have read a good chunk of it mm -hmm. including that second chapter um or first chapter depending on which version you're looking at um i I think I prefer this personally. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, and I think that you were saying that you like being introduced to the normal world before the paranormal elements come in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I really felt like this uh, This starts the book off with a bang, and you know that you're not in Kansas from the get-go. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and... And it's kind of interesting as you're, you know, there's there's a line in this piece that we read that gives you a good clue as to Erica's um, motivations or leanings, right? She's got to find someone who can help her, mm -hmm. someone like her. Mm -hmm. And um, given that the name of the book is Ted Saves the World, you might have a clue who that might be. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of nice to, for me, I felt like it was kind of nice to not meet Ted just yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So two different opinions. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think either way, the, the pacing in this book is really good. And, and we get a lot of story right in our face right away. So very mm -hmm. well done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, so most of the, submissions that we've had for the podcast have been right the first chapter of a novel and so we've had uh, a look at 10 now um, different openings and so it's really interesting to me to see the different choices and there's a wide range of choices you can make with opening your story obviously and that um, the important thing of course is to choose what works for your story and uh and run with it and it's helpful to have um some other people you know beta readers for example uh read your story and give you some feedback on on that that um once you've uh once you've uh revised it and such um uh, but yeah i'm just i'm i love the wide range of of openings that are possible 
Um, I just had one suggestion about the, um, about the, the text that there were some, um, that what well, we, we call this pruning, right? In our, in our discussions where we, you tighten up, tighten up the verbs a little, drop helping verbs, um, drop the, um, sort of hesitant words. So, uh, as instead of was wearing war, um, instead of the blue light came shooting from the sky, um, that it, the blue light shot from the sky, um, somebody was trying to focus, somebody focused. So those are just some, you know, basic things that you want to kind of keep an eye out just to make sure that, that there's not too much of that in the manuscript because you, it can, you know, it makes the language a little heavier and a little slower. And you want, especially in a novel like this, um, where you're, um, you know, you're writing for young adults and not so young adults <laughs> that you want to, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fairly fast paced story. And so you want to, um, just be mindful of that. Yeah, verbs are your power. They are mm -hmm. your power words, and they can inject so much strength mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. your story. Um, they deserve their own pass in the editing, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Verbs, that's what's happening, you know? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> But yeah, like that's like in a story, what's happening? Like that's, those are the verbs, right? And all the other stuff, of course, supports it and, and makes it richer. But, but yeah, verbs are really important. All right. On to you, Alyssa. <laughs> all right. So again, I mean, for the most part, this works really well. We have a whole bunch of stuff going on. We've got a dead girl who's been resurrected and there's an entity that's possessing her, trying to come to terms with who she is and why she's there. Um, we've, briefly introduce the town of treasure what a lovely name for mm -hmm. a town <laughs> treasure, treasure. Mm -hmm. and uh and we have erica's first encounter with a human since she's come back to life um the pacing's good the backstory doesn't overwhelm but rather informs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> apologize i have a horrible cough so mm. i am Try not to do that into the mic. But uh, so for me, I wanted even more about Erica in this. I wanted I wanted to have some really visceral details injected into key places to help get an even more full understanding of Erica and her transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so <laughs> you were talking about um, when uh you know the gaping red hole in her side <laughs> yes. that you wanted some like a little more like what's going yeah. on there yeah i'm just looking through i know i have some notes about specific places so yeah um so for example we we get that this blue light is resurrecting her and restoring her bodily functions i'm wondering does it make her skin beautiful again does it um get rid of those wormholes in her body does it erase the mud from her clothing and her face and her hair is she i mean she's been buried in mud she must be filthy mm -hmm. um i'm wondering um yeah with that gaping hole in her shirt 
is there a scar underneath that or is the flesh completely healed and perfect again? Um, is it zombie flesh? Is she kind of disgusting to look at or is she now almost indistinguishable from the previous version of Erica? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Other than this, you know, obviously dirty clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, so I think I think those kind of visceral details would help me understand even better what this transformation means for mm-hmm. Erica, and I mm-hmm. think that would help going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so at the end, when um, the final thought here is, it's a lot luckier for me than it is for you, Erica thought. I'm I'm wondering at, if there's a difference between the entity possessing Erica and Erica. It seems like the memories are somewhat interchangeable. That Erica, Erica's dead, and this entity has her memories to some degree. Does she adopt some of the old Erica's personality? Are they blending? So some kind of indication of where that boundary is. Um, or if it's disappeared or that would be helpful. Maybe it doesn't have to come right here, but, um, that would be helpful. Yeah. Let's see. Other than that, we just had a few minor things in the manuscript and those are going to be available in our show notes. Um, in terms of basic, you know, little copy editing suggestions. Okay, and then my final thought for today is um, this first sentence. So let's go back to our first sentence. It says, the sun shined down on a fallen tree with a splash of blood hidden on the shady side. So my, I believe that shined is correct in this instance, but at the same time, I, the, Inside of me, I'm saying the sun shone down on a fallen tree. And the fact that I'm having that internal debate with myself about the grammar while I'm looking at this first sentence is not, a, it's not, not, but it doesn't bode well for the first sentence. Um, I would really hammer on this first sentence until it just gleams. I don't think it's operating at high capacity yet. And given what we know that this is, this used to be chapter two and it is now chapter one, it's time to go back and um, really evaluate if this sentence is doing its job um i i like the little bit of mystery that's introduced with the splash of blood hidden on the shady side of the tree but i think the end of this paragraph which reads nature flourished undisturbed and undisturbing until the winds from a recent storm shifted the fallen oak to reveal a blood-stained sleeve i think that's a much more powerful sentence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it's slightly redundant information. I mean, we're we're learning that there's some kind of bloody thing over by this tree. And um, I think this final sentence does a better job than the first sentence. We want that first sentence to be doing equally strong work. Any thoughts on that? I do love that sentence. That um, undisturbed and undisturbing. Yeah, it's really nice. 
Yeah, it's really, really nice. A lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So something, yeah, something that powerful too, that would be, um, that would convey the same meaning in that, in that opening, you know, it's like the headline, right? The thing that gets you to read the next thing and the next thing. And, um, so yeah, I like that suggestion. Thank you. But all in all, it's definitely, this is a rollicking read, a great opening, and um, it does the job it needs to do, especially for this genre. Mm-hmm. So, nice work, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, mm-hmm. if this story appeals to you, uh, it's available on all of your major e-retailers, and it's part of a series, and I believe there are now four books available in the series. There are. There are. And you can um, find all of that and information about Brian at briancohen.com again. All right. Let's get to today's editorial mission. Yeah. So I want to take one last look at our quote of the week, which reads, One should be able to return to the first sentence of a novel and find the resonances of the entire work. As we mentioned earlier, it's important to start writing. And so when we start writing, we put words on the page and we clear our throats and we get going and we use those first sentences or leave them because they do a pretty good approximation of their job. Um, what we'd like you to do this week is take a really hard look at that very first sentence of your manuscript. Is that first sentence doing its job to the best of its ability? Are your verbs strong in that sentence? Is it active? Are you setting the tone? Are you setting the point of view? Are you able to find resonances of the entire work in your first sentence? Mm. So we'll give you that challenge for this week and go see what you can do to improve your very first sentence. That's a great challenge. Thanks, Alyssa. Yeah, my pleasure. So, authors, are you ready to find out how you can improve your own writing? We'd love to help. We're actively seeking submissions for our podcast. You can find all the details as well as the show notes for today's episode at writership.org podcast. We hope that you'll trust us with your words and we'll do our best to help you elevate your writing to the next level. So please send us your submission today. And remember, the Writership Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Author Marketing Institute, which you can find at www.authormarketinginstitute.com. Don't forget to stop by today for access to the video course, Selling Your First 100 Copies. Thanks for listening. And don't forget that you can find us on the web at writership.org. Join our crew and you'll get a free copy of the Writership Sample, a book full of exercises and writing prompts to inspire you. All right, that's it for today. We'll see you next time on the Writership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Writership Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and sharing the show with your author friends and communities. And right after you do that, make sure to contact the hosts, Leslie and Alyssa, to help you find the treasure in your manuscript. Head on over to writership.org forward slash podcast to submit your pages.